1: details.
0: Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter 20 of Eclipse titled Compromise. So where we left off, (laughs) not much happened. It's the same old, she ramped up all this tension that the vampires were gonna descend on the town, but then she said, oh, in five days' time. So now we're just practicing. We're just teaching werewolves how to kill vampires, which I think they should know inherently. That is their one purpose on this earth, but apparently Jasper has to teach them all the tricks. Like fight from the left, fight from the right. Don't fight them directly. Like, hello, they're werewolves. They can just pounce on them from any direction. And the polite werewolves, they're like, oh, wow, that's great. Thanks for letting us know. Meanwhile. Jacob's meant to be watching all this, but Bella's sitting next to him and she's patting him like a dog, and they keep calling them dogs. I think we need some clarity on what creatures these werewolves are. They're wolves. Stop treating them like dogs. Dogs and wolves are different. Does Stephanie Meyer know that dogs and wolves are different creatures? I don't think she does. Because every chapter we hear Edward saying, Oh, good good point, dog. All the vampires are calling them dogs. And I know it's meant to be a derogatory term, even though dogs are the greatest things on this bloody earth. But. It does sort of seem to me like there's confusion over what beings they are. Remember back in New Moon they thought it was a bear attack or something? These people were staring at these wolves and they're like, oh no, a bear. And it's like what where did where did a bear come from? And now they're giant dogs. Has anyone in Forks seen a wolf before? And also last chapter, there was all this hullabaloo about how to all this hullabaloo. About how to get Bella out of Charlie's house and to get Charlie on a fishing trip. I just, all this table setting for the big confrontation. And it just strikes me as humorous because they're like, oh, Charlie, Alice will be lonely in that big house while her family goes hunting. Oh, I need to keep her company. Whereas the last two times she's run out for a confrontation, she just went, by Charlie. (laughs) In Twilight, she said the same words, the same exact words verbatim, what her mum said to him when she walked out, she repeated that and broke his heart. And then in New Moon, His best friend died and she just left and went to Rome. So like now, now all of a sudden she cares about being grounded when she's gonna become a vampire in like a month or two anyway. Now she cares about creating a backstory and crafting an alibi. She's never cared before, but now she cares. Okay, so she says, everything's ready. I was packed for my two-day visit with Alice. And she puts it in quote marks being like, remember, I'm actually gonna be boning Edward. So that's the thing as well. So this chapter, it's just horny, 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 she wants to bang Edward. And I feel like I'm reading American Pie because this whole chapter is about how she's gonna lose a V card. She also tells us that she's given the concert tickets to Angela, Ben, and Mike. And Mike was now going to go with Jessica, which was just as she'd hoped, apparently, even though she'd only ever bought three tickets, I think. And now there's a random fourth ticket. So maybe Jessica's buying her own ticket. But this was exactly as she had hoped. She says, Charlie's gone fishing, Colin and Brady, the two youngest wolves, they're staying behind to protect La Push. Everything's in place. Everyone she cares about is safe. Just those four particular classmates are safe. Lauren's fucked. Tyler's fucked. Eric is screwed. He's going to die. But at least Angela, Ben, Mike and Jessica, they're all safe. She says, I'd done all I could. I tried to accept that and put it out of my head. Oh, but I'm still so worried. But one way or another, this would all be over in 48 hours. If only, if only. I'm talking to you from the future, Bella. And there's a whole other book, a big book still to come. So it's not going to all be over in 48 hours. Oh, you sweet summer child. If only you knew, Bella, if only you knew, plus a prequel. Well, not so much a prequel as a retelling of the first one, Midnight Sun. Have you guys read that? I'm still on the first chapter and I guess I'll pick it up one day, but I'm really not too sure if it's worth it. If you guys think it's good, let me know. And so Edward's saying, hey, baby, we've just got this one night together. Let's just relax. Forget about everything besides just you and me. And she says, knowing that she had this night with him alone that would help her ease her mind. She said, some things had changed within me. She says, for instance, I was ready to join his family and his world. The fear and guilt and anguish I was feeling now had taught me that much. So she says she'd had a chance to concentrate on this as she'd gazed at the moon while resting against a werewolf. And she knew that the next time something came at them, she would be ready. She'd be an asset, not a liability because she'd be a vampire. Well, again, talking to you from the future, babe, that's not going to be the case. I'm a bit spotty on the details of Breaking Dawn, but I do know she's pregnant and useless for half of it, right? With that little rotisserie chicken inside her womb. We'll get to the naming of that child. Don't you worry. I've got a lot of thoughts percolating in this old noggin of mine about that kid. Oh God, the naming of that kid. Ridiculous. So she's saying to us, she's ready to become a vampire, but there's one little thing. There's one little thing that's still niggling about. And she says, I knew which human experience I was going to insist on before I became inhuman. And that's her virginity. She doesn't really outright say it too soon. This whole chapter, she's just hinting towards wanting to pop a cherry. But like, you know it, I know it. All of us reading it are thinking, yeah, she wants to get that cherry popped. And, you know, to each their own. But the language she's using being like, I really want this to be a human experience because the next time we do it, it'll be a vampire experience. And I'm like, what? Like, does it really matter? Does it really matter risking your life just to have this one root under your belt before you become a vampire? Just do it when you're a vampire. At least that's something you can still do when you're a vampire. You can't eat, you can't sleep, you may as well bang. Because like, wouldn't it be better when you're a vampire? First of all, you'll have the stamina. You'll have the strength. You've got that undeniable chemistry with your vampire lover. You're not going to get knocked. Well, you, you could very well get knocked up, but you, I, I would assume as vampires, you wouldn't get knocked up. You wouldn't get an STD, et cetera, et cetera. I'd embrace the vampire lovemaking if I were her. I wouldn't really care about doing it while I was a human. Especially because he's going to break you in two, right? Right? Like, how is that not first thought? She says when she kisses him, it's like kissing marble, like kissing a hard mouth. What do you think a dick inside you will do? I'm sorry to get vulgar, guys, but it's just ridiculous that she's considering this. And like, she's always talking about how cold his body is. Like, imagine that inside you, Bella, you'll go into shock. You'll catch hypothermia. Like the logistics alone should be just not making this an issue, but not. Okay. It's one of the human experiences she is going to insist on. And so she's driving to... Edward's house with Edward in the car, and she feels nervous about bringing it up because she knows it's going to be an argument and a fight, and like, oh yeah, of course it is. And then she says, It was after dark when we reached the house. In spite of that, the meadow was bright in the light shining from every window. The meadow? I thought the meadow was somewhere else. I didn't know it was at his house. Or are are there separate meadows? Why is she talking about it like the meadow, like it's the meadow? No, it's not there must be another meadow. I would just call it a front yard, but she's calling it a meadow. So she parks, he scoops her up, he carries her through the house like super fast at superhuman speed, vampire speed, you could call it. And he's kissing her. They're making full use of this empty house. And she says she's not afraid of the kissing any longer because she used to be able to feel the fear and panic leaking through his control. But now he wasn't anxious. He was just enthusiastic. She said, he seemed as thrilled as I was that we had tonight to concentrate on being together. I mean, you do have still the looming threat of a newborn family of vampires coming to kill you. There is still that, but no, they've got nothing else to concentrate on except each other. And she says, he continued to kiss me for several minutes standing there in the entry. Several minutes, standing up in an entryway, go sit down go lie down. I know you have a bed now. Go lie down. What are you doing standing up for several minutes? Like at least shut the door. You're letting all the cold air in. So now she's thinking, ah, he's into this too. Maybe this won't be as hard as I thought. And so then he says, welcome home. And she's like, oh yeah, that's nice. And he sets her on her feet. And then he says, oh, I've got something for you. The hand-me-down. You remember you said I was allowed to give you a hand-me-down gift. And she's like, oh yeah, I guess. Like she could not feign enthusiasm for one second. She was like, yeah, okay, yeah, sounds good, whatever. She says, I guess I did say that. Like, oh, bitch, your boyfriend wants to give you a present. Can you at least just like pretend? We all do that, don't we? Whenever we open a present, we're like, oh my God, it's so cool, it's so amazing, what is it? Like you fake it until you make it. And he says, oh, it's up in my bedroom. Shall I go get it? And again because she's horny and this is American Pie, she's immediately thinking, uh, his bedroom, hey? Ooh, maybe he's trying to put the moves on me. So she says, yeah, sure. She says, sure, I agreed, feeling quite devious as I wound my fingers through his. And she says, let's go. She feels devious because she's holding his hand. Oh, Bella. Oh, Bella, that's not devious. Go to the bathrooms of a random gay bar on a Tuesday night. There you'll see something devious. Hand-holding, Bella, that's not devious, doll. Oh, you sweet, sweet summer child. So he scoops her up and he runs up the stairs. Like, okay, I know you're a vampire, but you could just walk. It's one flight of stairs. You're not climbing Everest here. I think you can go at human speed. Like you've got all night to spend together. You can spare the 10 seconds walking up the steps. Okay. And I was thinking Bella was trying to be sexy, but she says, I went to the huge gold bed plopping down on the edge. And I was like, oh, okay. And sliding to the center. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. She's, she's getting herself provocatively onto the center of the bed. And then she says, I curled up in a ball. My arms wrapped around my knees. What? She's in the fetal position. Uh, She wants to, she wants to, Bang her boyfriend, or at least bring up the conversation of losing her virginity, and she's in the fatal position? That's how she's going to turn him on? That's how she's going to seduce him? I mean, clearly that is not the way to get what you want. She curled up in a ball and wrapped her arms around her knees. I'm sorry, Doris, but that is not how you turn a guy on. And she even says, Now that I was where I wanted to be, I could afford a little reluctance, and she says, All right, let me have it which again, sounds seductive. Even though she's talking about the gift, it could be a double entendre. And it could have been if you weren't curled up in a ball with your arms wrapped around your knees. So she says he climbed onto the bed to sit next to me and my heart thumped unevenly. Hopefully he would write that off as some reaction to him giving me presents. But all you should get checked. I mean, your heart should not be thumping unevenly. And that seems to happen a fair bit. I don't know. I'd- I'd just go see a doctor, a human doctor. So he says it's a hand-me-down and he puts something on her bracelet and then she has a look at it. And on the shitty little bracelet that Jacob gave her, there is now a brilliant heart-shaped crystal. She says it was cut in a million facets so that even in the subdued light shining from the lamp, it sparkled and she gasps. Like I get that he wanted to put something of his own on that bracelet to compete with the wolf, But you could have gotten a nicer bracelet. If you're going to put this really fancy bit of jewelry, this crystal shaped like a heart, you'd probably want to jazz it up on a bracelet that's a little bit more sophisticated than whatever Jacob Black procured. Not to knock Jacob, but he admitted that it was a, a cheapo present. It was heartfelt. He carved the pendant, but he said the bracelet itself was cheapo. And he admitted that. So I think we can all admit that as well. But Edward's like, yeah, nah. I'll just put my breathtaking crystal onto his bracelet. And he says, it was my mother's. I inherited quite a few baubles like this. I've given some to Esme and Alice both. So clearly this is not a big deal in any way. Well, it might be a big deal to Rosalie since you're clearly cutting her out of the family fortune. Imagine that. You've given jewelry to Esme and to Alice, but Rosalie can go fuck herself. And also, I inherited quite a few baubles. What? Your mum died of influenza and then you died too, right? Who who gave you these possessions? Weren't you all in hospital? And then Carlyle snatched you, snatched you from the morgue or whatever, and then you became a vampire. When did you go back and get these possessions? But he's talking about an inheritance as if they went through the whole will reading process. And he says, it's a good representation because it's hard and it's cold and it throws rainbows in the sunlight. And she says, yeah. And it's also beautiful. And he says, "Uh uh-huh. And my heart is just as silent and it too is yours. So, oh, very meaningful, very beautiful. How, How wonderfully precious. And he's like, oh, thank you for accepting a gift so easily. Oh, thank you for that. Like, I hate Bella's reticence to accept a gift, but remember when she had gifts before and then you stole them from her when you dumped her and removed every bit of evidence that you were ever in her life? Maybe that's part of it. Maybe she's got some hang-ups about that. It's like, oh, you never accept gifts, except for those ones that I gave you and then removed from your possession against your will. Yeah, but whatever. They were under the floorboards the whole time, so I guess, oh, whatever. God, New Moon was a stupid book, wasn't it? So then they're cuddling, and she says, it probably felt similar to snuggling with Michelangelo's David, except that this perfect marble creature wrapped his arms around me to pull me closer. Yeah, that's the one difference. When would you be snuggling? with a statue that's in a museum in Florence, babe. Like, I know you go to Italy quite regularly, but they don't let you touch the statues. She's like, oh, this is exactly like cuddling a statue, except it's hugging me back. Well, it would never happen, but sure. And she says, hey, um, can we discuss something and and just be open-minded about it, okay? And he's like, oh God, what do we got? What do we got? She says, I was so impressed by how well we were able to compromise the other night. How well we were able to compromise. She manipulated him. She blackmailed him into getting her own way, but what? Yeah, how well they were able to compromise. And she says, I was thinking we could apply that same principle to a different situation. And he's like, okay, shoot. And he's like, wait a minute. Your heart is flying. It's fluttering like a hummingbird's wings. Are you all right? I don't think so, Edward. I think she needs to get checked. And she says, okay, well... The first thing, this whole marriage thing. She says that whole ridiculous marriage condition thing. She says, is that open to negotiation? And he frowns. And he says, "Uh, I've already made the largest concession by far. I've agreed to take your life away against my better judgment. And that ought to entitle me to a few compromises on your part. So she's the one dying and he's making out like it's a big favor to her. Which I guess it technically is, but she's the bitch dying and she's got to beg for it. And then she has to like thank him and praise him for killing her. How backwards is that? And he says, yeah, my prerequisite is matrimony to start with. And she says, to start with, what else is there? And he says, well, if you're my wife, then what's mine is yours, like tuition money. So there would be no problem with you going to Dartmouth. And she's like, oh, anything else while you're already being absurd? She hates money. She does not want money. He says, well okay, but maybe some time would be nice. And she said, noop, deal breaker. She said, that's a deal breaker, ladies. And he says, just a year or two. And she says, that's a deal breaker, ladies. And so then he says, all right, well, what do you want? I didn't realize that there was anything else you wanted besides being transformed into a monster. I'm curious. And then she starts blushing. Oh, of course she's blushing. And she says, I'm a little bit worried about after I transition. All of you just seem to be so convinced that the only thing I'm going to be interested in afterwards is slaughtering everyone in town. So I'm afraid I'll be so preoccupied with that mayhem that I won't be me anymore and that I won't want you the same way that I do now. So she's like, I'm fine with the bloodlust. I'm fine with accidentally maybe killing everyone I've ever met. But whilst doing that, I'm worried I won't be turned on and horny. She's worried about losing her sex drive. Imagine that being your primary concern. Yeah, I could kill Charlie, but what if I can't get a boner? That's what she's thinking. How self-centered. She is so self-centered and selfish. <sighs> she's a piece of work. She's a bloody piece of work. I'll tell you what. And Edward's like, oh, don't worry about it. That part doesn't last forever. And she says, you're missing the point, mate. She says, Edward, there's something that I want to do before I'm not human anymore. And he doesn't get it. He says, yeah, whatever, whatever you want. And she says he's completely clueless. And that's what tells me this is a male character written by a Mormon woman for sure, right? It's the one teenage boy in all of literature that doesn't want to bang. Or doesn't even realise when someone's talking about banging. This is Stephanie Meyer's fantasy of a 17 year old boy that's actually 110 years old, but let's ignore that. And it just keeps going on. This is a dialogue heavy chapter. It's just all of it is just the conversation between the two of them, without her spitting it out saying "I want to fuck you," because she keeps saying stuff, and he's like, "What? What are you talking about? What? What? Just say I want to you. I want to richer, 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 richer." And it's like, "Tell me. Don't make fun of me. Tell me. I promise I won't make fun of you. Are you sure you promise? Yes. Please tell me. Blah 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 blah." And so he finally says, "Tell me what you want, and you can have it." And she says, "You." She, well, she says, I mumbled almost incoherently. How do you fuck up one word, one syllable, you? How do you fuck that up? Almost incoherently. How do you say it? Like, like you, it's impossible to fuck up. And she's almost incoherent. And he's still oblivious. He's still from this Mormon fantasy where he's like, yeah, I'm all yours. You've got me. And she's like, oh God. She's like really gonna have to spell it out. And so instead of talking, because obviously she's not good at that, she starts to kiss him and she's like, maybe he'll get the point now. But he still doesn't get the point. She says, his lips were gentle against mine, but I could tell his mind was elsewhere, trying to figure out what was on my mind. Oh my God. How you can tell that from a kiss, by the way, I don't know. But just fucking say it. And she says, I decided he needed a hint. Or you could just say it. And so her big hint, (laughs) it's... It's not a direct hint. I would have thought a hint would be like, getting your purse, pulling out a condom. But no, her hint is, with trembling hands, she undoes one of his buttons from his shirt, from around the collar of his shirt. So like the very tippy top button or the second button, but it's up in that top quadrant. And that's the big hint. And But, but he gets it. He's like, what? Oh, being shirtless, that must mean sex. <laughs> he not been shirtless in front of her before? Oh my God, the pair of them. And his lips freeze. And she's like, oh, I could almost hear the click in his head as he put together my words and my actions. That top button getting undone. So saucy, so provocative, so promiscuous. And he says, be reasonable, Bella. And he pushes her, he pushes her away at once. (laughs) Just uh, get off me. And he says, we're not having this discussion. And he glared at her while he refastened the two buttons that she'd managed to open. (laughs) Two buttons. She got two buttons done. And he said, well, that's enough. And she says, I say we are, as in having the conversation. And he says, I say we're not. And so we go through that for a page and a half. And he says, I thought it would be something faintly realistic. And she says, so you can ask for any stupid, ridiculous thing that you want, like getting married, but I'm not even allowed to discuss what I, and then he cuts her off and he says, no, no. And so then she starts to feel less angry and starts to feel embarrassed. And it took her a while to figure out what she was feeling. And then she like starts to cry. And she wants to run from the room because she says rejection washed through me, instinctive and strong. And that clearly he's just saying no because he knows he'll kill you if he ever banged you. Like that's the main reason. And she says, oh, I know I'm being irrational that it's probably for my own personal safety, but I can't help but feel like he doesn't want me. I feel unwanted and unwantable. What's the difference there? Unwanted and unwantable? Seems unnecessary to include the second option. So now she's all in a feeling. She's hurt because she's been rejected, even though she knows the logic behind it, but she's not thinking logically because she just wants that D. She's horny. She's horny. And in that, she's relatable, I guess. I mean, if you had a fine piece like Edward Cullen as your boyfriend, you'd want to jump his bones too. But when he said to me, oh, I'd kill you, I'd be like, you know what? Let's just do handies. And that's the thing. They keep acting like as soon as they have penile vaginal intercourse that he'll kill her. And it's like, okay, well then maybe can you not do something else? Can we not try a blowjob? Can we not try, I don't know, nipple play or something? Like I'm just spitballing here. And this is where the compromise should come into it. Say, no, I will not have sex with you, Bella. But if I were to maybe do something else with my fingers to you, where I wouldn't lose as much control, why not try that? That's all I'm saying, that's all I'm saying. There's a rainbow of possibilities when it comes to sex. It's not all about the P and the V, guys. That's just, you know, what you'll learn when you grow up. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right?
1: Go to bombas.com slash acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash acast code acast.
0: And so now he's like, well, he's actually being quite cruel. He says, what now? Because he can sense that she's crying because she's got tears in her eyes. And he says, what now? Which is just very caring. Totally someone I'd want to marry and spend eternity with. Someone who says, what now when you're crying? Fuck off, Edward. And she's like, nothing. And he says, did I hurt your feelings? (laughs) And she says, no. And he's like, oh God, I've hurt your feelings, didn't I? Oh God. So now he's hugging her and he's reassuringly stroking her. And he says, you know why I have to say no. He says, you know, I want you too, though, right? And she says, do you? And he says, oh, of course I do. You silly, beautiful, oversensitive girl. Not the reassuring words that I would use. Beautiful I'd keep, but silly and oversensitive. I don't know if that needed to be verbalized. She's clearly fragile and horny, so maybe cut out the silly and oversensitive remarks. And then he's laughing, (laughs) and he's laughing. And he says, everyone wants you, you stupid bitch. How do you not know that you're desirable? You're too desirable for your own good. And she says, don't be silly. She's like me, desirable, get out. And he says, do I have to send a petition around to get you to believe? Shall I tell you whose names would be on top of the list? You know, a few of them, but some might surprise you. So he's basically alluding to all the guys at school wanting to bang Bella because she's pale and from Arizona. I guess that was the, the trick that made everyone enamored with her. It's not for her personality, I'll tell you that. So what's this, you know a few of them, but some might surprise you. Like remember back at prom or one of those dances that they were doing or whatever and she got asked out like three times. Oh no, it was that dance where she had to ask out a boy and they're all like, hey, ask me out. (sighs) Anyway, there was a lineup around the corner of them. So she knows some of them, but who are the ones that might surprise her? Is Edward referencing like one of the teachers or something? Because if it was a student, I don't think that's a surprise. But if it's the trigonometry teacher, well, that'd be very surprising. So I'd be interested to know that. Maybe that's why you should read Midnight Sun. Perhaps that insight into Edward's inner monologue with the reading of the minds, that is valuable. And so she says, okay, well, let's lay it all out. She says, tell me if I have anything wrong. Your demands are marriage, paying my tuition, more time, And you wouldn't mind if my vehicle went a little faster. Did I get everything? That's a hefty list. And he says, oh, only the first one's a demand. The others are just requests. And he acts like that's completely normal. But I'm like, marriage should not be a demand. Uh, I think marriage should be the request. That's why you say, will you marry me? Not, I demand that you marry me. A proposal is literally a request, not a demand. But okay, no, that's not his definition of marriage. And she says, well, my little demand is, and he says, demand, how dare you demand? And it's like, well, you just demanded marriage. And she says, yeah, I'm demanding a route. And he says, it's not possible. It's not possible. We're just going around in circles. It's been pages, it's been pages and I'm cutting shit out. I'm not reading everything out for you guys because I wanna spare you the trauma. But let me assure you, it's still going on when I'm scrolling past it. He basically says, wait until you're less breakable, <sighs> which is fair enough. But again, as I've said before, try handies. See, now even I'm going in circles. Meanwhile, the newborn vampire army, I guess they're just stopping for tacos or something while they're on their way to forks. They're just taking their bloody good time while we're having this roundabout conversation about whether or not Edward's gonna bang Bella. And she says, that's the problem, Edward. I won't be the same when I'm less breakable. It won't be the same. I don't know who I'll be then. Then don't become a vampire. Like, if you're that worried about it. Like, fuck me. She's never cared about human experiences before. Remember when Alice was like, you have to go to prom, Bella. It's a human experience, Bella. And she was like, like, I care about human experiences. But now she's like, oh, I have to have sex while I'm human. I have to. And he says, you'll be the same. And she says, no, I won't. Not if I'll be so far gone that I'll want to kill Charlie then make that your priority. Make that your main concern, not whether or not you'll wanna have sex. It's just, ugh. And she says, that's what it'll always be for me. Just blood, 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 blood. It'll all be about blood. And like, yeah, yeah, that's what you're signing up for. That's literally what you're signing up for. Say goodbye to croissants and bagels and spaghetti. You're not having any of that shit. You're gonna have blood. And if that's a big problem, don't become a vampire. Like, ugh, ugh. She's so fickle. And she says, look, physically, I will be different because I'll be thirsty more than anything else. And right now, physically, there's nothing I want more than you, more than food or water or oxygen. Oh, jeez." So she's trying to make some, some reason out of that one, but I, it's not tracking for me. I can't interpret that any further than what I've just said because it makes no bloody sense. And he says, Bella, I could kill you. Like, that's the full stop here. And she says, nah, I don't think you could. Uh, he could easily kill you, easily. If not from lack of control, from hypothermia. So Edward's sick of it. He is sick of it. He's gripped onto like the bed frame so hard that one of the decorative silver rose petals that's on the bed head or whatever has been pulverized in his hand. And he's, I think, making a point being like, see, I could do that to your tatas. And she says, well, I already know how strong you are. You didn't have to break the furniture. And he's like, okay, but like, like, how can I get through to you, you silly Billy? And she says, I know that you are physically able to hurt me if you wanted to, like, duh. But more than that, you don't want to hurt me. So much so that I don't think that you ever could. This is the girl that broke her hand when she punched Jacob. And she thinks that just through sheer willpower alone, she's not gonna get hurt while banging a vampire. Like, I'm sorry, Doris, but no. He says, it might not work like that, Bella. And she says, might, but you have no more idea what you're talking about than I do. And he says, y- yes, exactly, exactly. He says, do you imagine I would ever take that kind of risk with you? And so what I'm sneaky thinking, like I doubt he would ever do this, but like go practice with Angela or Jess Stanley or some random bimbo from Port Angeles. Like, I, I, I mean, I mean, if you wanted to do a practice run, Horribly unethical. Very dangerous if you killed her. But I mean, that's what I would do. (laughs) I'm sorry, I would. I would do a practice run. But he's not gonna do that. And so she's still begging him. She says, please, please, it's all I want. Like, okay, okay. I get bringing it up in a conversation with your boyfriend, but the begging? Oh, like how desperate are you to beg for sex? That's what she's doing. She's begging for sex and that's sad, Bells bells. That's so sad. I'd say instead of begging, you should try and seduce him. But we all know her ideas of being seductive are curling up in a ball and undoing a top button. So that's not really a strong suit. And so she's saying, please, she says, you don't have to make me any guarantees if it doesn't work out. Well, then that's that. That's that. Let's just try. We just need to try and then I'll give you what you want. It's like, okay, but you'll die, Bella. I don't think that's sticking in. She's like, oh, well, if it doesn't work, potato, potato, it is what it is, Uh, you'll be dead. And she says, but if we try, then I'll marry you and then I'll let you pay for Dartmouth. You can even buy me a fast car if that makes you happy. Just please, just bang me, please. And he says, no, no. And she says, please. And he says, Bella, no. (laughs) God, pages of this. It's all this chapter is, I'm serious. So then she just starts kissing him. (laughs) She thinks that'll do the trick. Her old go-to just kissing him. Like, oh my God, at least try and undo his top button. But you know what? You know what? It works. Ah, somehow it works. She says she was expecting to be pushed away again, (laughs) but she was wrong. But his mouth was not gentle. There was a brand new edge of conflict and desperation in the way his lips moved, which is what you want when you're kissing your boyfriend. Conflict and desperation through kissing. Ah, my goodness. And so he didn't stop kissing her. And then she was the one who had to break away, gasping for air. (laughs) So I think he's trying to make a point being like, I could kill you. And she's like, "Oof, that was a doozy. She says the thrill of victory was a strange high. It made me feel powerful. So she thinks she's winning the argument. (laughs) Oh, she's fucked. And then we get a whole paragraph about how beautiful he is. Oh my God. In case you didn't know, he's beautiful and his skin is like marble. So then she's trying to reach for the front of her shirt. So I guess she's trying to pop a button off around her bosom and then he grabs her wrists and he pulls her hands above her head. And he says, Bella, would you please stop trying to take your clothes off? Yep, this was written by a Mormon, I'm sorry. And like, yeah, if you can't have sex, maybe you could look, you could paint each other like the Titanic. You just gave her the heart of the ocean on a bracelet, get her across the room pose it on a chaise lounge and get it to pose naked and draw her. Wouldn't that be nice and romantic? Look, but don't touch. See, think outside the box, guys. If you want to have a healthy sexual life without death being involved, think outside the box. And he says, not tonight. I'm not saying no. I'm just saying not tonight. And she says, give me one good reason why tonight is not as good as any other night. Oh my God, he has because he could kill you for fuck's sake. And he says, well, now that you've said you'll marry me, I'm not gonna go and bang you until I've married you because if I bang you, you might just go running off to Carlisle and getting Carlisle to turn you into a vampire. So now he's using sex as leverage, which is again, another sign of a healthy relationship. Using sex as a weapon. Well... Never thought Edward would have stooped that low. <laughs> yes, I did. So now she's all in a huff and she says, I have to marry you first. And he says, yep, that's the deal. Take it or leave it. Compromise, remember. And she's like, oh. And she's all pissed off, but then he starts kissing her. And she's like, oh, that's nice. She says, oh, that's persuasive. Oh, I like when he kisses me. So yeah, sex is a weapon again. And then she says between kisses, gasping for breath, she says, I think that's a bad idea. And he says, you have such a one track mind, Bella. And she's like, what, how did this happen? And he says, you're engaged. And she says, ew, please don't say that out loud. And he's like, sucked in, you're engaged. And she's like, no, I'm not. And she's like, oh my God, I guess I am. And he's like, are you happy? And she's like, no, I guess, I, I guess I'm happy. Are you happy? And he says, exceptionally. So now they're acting like they're engaged. I, I thought they already were engaged. We had a whole proposal in the woods or something, didn't we? Like, I thought, I, thought, I thought we'd already gotten through this, but now they're like, oh, wow, this is different. We're engaged. Oh, brother. So they keep kissing and then bantering about their engagement. Fuck me, Dad. And so then she says, look, Edward, I said I would marry you and I will. I promise, I swear. If you want, I'll sign a contract in my own blood. And he's like, oh, that would actually, that would actually not be very appropriate. And she says, look, what I'm saying is this. I'm not going to try and trick you or anything. You know me better than that. So there's really no reason to wait. We're completely alone. So why don't you just bang me? She's got a one track mind. She's got an empty house and she wants to use it. She does not want an empty house to go to waste. And he says, not tonight. And so we have that whole fight again about not tonight. (sighs) Just do oral, just do oral and put me out of my misery. And so then she's interrogating him being like, why are you being so reticent to get married now all of a sudden? (sighs) For fuck's sake. And she says, Are you planning to go back on your word? And he says, No, I swear to you, we will try after you marry me. We need a lawyer in the room. This all needs to be notarized and put in a contract or something because, like, I can't have the same arguments again. Just someone to take notes, just a stenographer in the room would be fantastic. So then she says, You make me feel like a villain in a melodrama twirling my mustache while I try to steal some poor girl's virtue. And then he like quickly looks away and she says, oh, that's it, isn't it? You're trying to protect your virtue. And she starts laughing. She starts giggling. So I guess he's a, he's a virgin and she's making fun of him for that. Is that what's happening here? Of of all the things to be laughing about, she's not good in an argument, is she? She wouldn't she would do well to have some practice on debating squads because she, she cannot win an argument. And he says, no, I'm trying to protect your virtue. And he says, let me ask you something. How many people in this room have a soul, a shot at heaven? And she says two. And he said, all right, uh, I get your point. But really, it's just you. And he says, if you want to protect your soul, get into heaven or whatever, then there are some rules that need to be followed. So he's, <sighs> what he's trying to say is, I want you to not sin, because then you won't get into heaven, even though you won't, anyway, because I'm turning you into a vampire so you'll live your life on this plane of existence. So it's all a moot point, but I still want you to obey the laws of God, is what he's trying to say. And he's saying, "Thou shall not kill is commonly accepted by most major belief systems, and he's killed people, so he thinks he won't have a shot at heaven again, even though he's a vampire immortal for life, so it's not really an issue. And he says, the same principle applies from murder to sex outside of marriage, I guess. They're, the, they're on the same playing field. He says, the only difference is that this is the one area in which I'm just as spotless as you are. Can't I leave one rule unbroken? So he says, I don't want to root around in case I'll be sinning before God, even though I've killed people and I won't get into heaven, even though I'm an immortal vampire. What the fuck is this fucking logic? I'm tearing my head out at this book. He says, I've stolen, I've lied, I've coveted. My virtue is all that I have left. And she says, what'd you covet? And he says, I coveted you. I had no right to want you, but I reached out and took you anyway. And now look what's become of you trying to seduce a vampire. Well, she's not trying that hard if she's just undoing a couple of buttons. So basically what he's saying is that he wants to try and keep his virtue, but if that's not going to help him get into heaven, he wants to protect her virtue. Even though he's gonna turn her into an immortal vampire, like (sighs) And she says, Oh okay, so that's it. You won't sleep with me until we're married then. Yes, bitch! That's what we've been talking about for pages. Pages and pages and pages and pages. How are you only getting this now? How are you so dumb? (sighs) Like I get that you're horny, but can you really be that dumb? Can you really be that dumb? And so then she says I think you have an ulterior motive. You know that this will speed things up and that I'll want to get married quicker now because I know that I can't have sex until after marriage. Like, yeah, I think that's the point. And she says, I can't believe I'm going along with this. When I think of what Charlie and Renee will think, can you imagine what Angela will think or Jessica? Ugh, I can hear the gossip now. And bitch, you'll be a vampire. You've just told us that you'll only be worried about blood. You won't give a shit about the human ways, but she's like, oh God, everyone's gonna think I'm such a little floozy getting married at 18. Yeah, I don't really think people will think that. And she says, gah, married this summer, I shuddered. Oh, how dreadful, what a horrible thought. There's a pack of newborn vampires descending on the town via Taco Bell, and you're more worried about getting married. You fucking idiot. And so then they start planning the wedding. Edward says, oh, it doesn't have to be a big affair. We can just go to Vegas. You can wear old jeans. We'll go to the chapel with the drive through window. Yep, the pair of them in sunny Vegas. That'll do wonders. Sounds perfect. He says, I just want it to be official that you belong to me and no one else. Oop, there it is. <laughs> oh, there it is. That's what it's all about. It's all about ownership and possession. What a psycho. And she says, it couldn't be any more official than it already is. What? Yeah. Yes, it could. That, like, That's literally what marriage is. It's, it's called making it official. How does she think it's official now? They don't even live together. They're not even legally de facto. And she thinks it's already official, more official than marriage. What the f oh, She's so silly. Oh, she's so silly. And so then he's joking about getting her a ring and she says, I don't want a ring just yet. <sighs> and she says, you're talking like you already have a ring prepared. And he says, uh, yeah, I do. And he says, do you want to see it? And she says, no. <laughs> and then she says, well, unless you really want to show it to me because she's worried that she hurt his feelings by being so disgusted by the idea of jewelry, even though she just accepted a bracelet pendant. So then he's like, no, nah, it's fine. It's silly. It, it, it can wait. And now she's pressuring him being like, show me the ring, show me the ring. And again, pages and pages of that. And she's got a beg. She says, please, please, can I see it, please? How many times has she said, please, this chapter? It's concerning. So then he gets out this little black box and he shoves it at her and he says, go ahead and look then. What? You brought this up. If you don't want to show her, don't show her, but don't act like you don't want to show her because you do. Oh, oh, the pair of them. And she says, you didn't spend a lot of money, did you? Lie to me if you did. Like, are you that? Wa- oh, this, this whole thing that she can't stand him spending money on her. It's, oh, it's really frustrating. And he says, it's just another hand me down. This is the ring my father gave to my mother. And she's like, oh, okay. (laughs) And he's like, oh, I suppose it's outdated and old fashioned. I can get you something more modern, something from Tiffany's if you'd like. And she says, I like old fashioned things. And so she lifts the lid and she says, Elizabeth Mason's ring sparkled in the dim light. Elizabeth, how does she know his mother's name? Last name Elizabeth Mason. Where'd she pull that out? Is she studying the, the family tree of the Masons? Ha, did we know this? Did we know that he's a Mason? Well, Elizabeth Mason's ring. Where the fuck is she getting that from? Is it engraved? Is the name engraved on the ring? That's all I can assume. So now she's like, oh, it's so pretty. Oh, I like it. But then she doesn't want to be shown to like it that much. So she's like, yeah, it's, it's good. It's what's not to like? Oh, she's so annoying. And he's like, try it on. And she doesn't want to. And then she's grumbling and she tries it on. And she says, it wasn't quite as awful as I'd feared having it on my finger. Fuck off. I'm so, I I hate this book. Eclipse is the worst one. Nothing's happened. And in this chapter, it's just been one conversation, one long conversation about a virginity. (sighs) So then Edward's looking at the ring on her finger and he's getting a bit emotional about it. And she's like, oh, do you like that? Do you, that it's on my hand? And he's like, yeah, it looks nice on you. Fuck me, dad. And then they're kissing. They're kissing again. And then he says, do you mind if I do something? And she's like, yeah, go for it. And then she's like, oh, wait a minute. No, don't do it. Don't do it. And he stands up. Then he gets on one knee. And she says, oh, no, she gasps. I'm pretty sure she already saw this coming when he when he got up and he kneeled down and she said, don't do it. But now she's like, oh, my God, he's kneeling on one knee. And I'm like, we've we've had this proposal before. He's proposed like five times. You just had a whole big conversation about going to Vegas and getting married. You tried on the ring and now he's going on a knee and he's saying, Isabella Swan, I promise to love you forever. Every single day of forever. Will you marry me? And she's like, what? Where is this coming from? Completely out of the blue. He's proposing. What? Shock. Shock. And she's like, oh, what do I say? What do I say? And then she just says, yes. And he says, thank you. And then he took my left hand and kissed each of my fingertips before he kissed the ring that was now mine. End of chapter, end of my patience. I'm done with it. She didn't get what she wanted. She's only saying yes because she wants to bang you. Oh my God, let's just end it there. Thoughts, feelings, let me know. Ratings, review, subscribe, go to Patreon. I'm fucking over it. Goodbye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breaking down bad books. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading.
1: Hold up.